I mean, okay, so we're going to be talking about contentment today. Ooh. Everybody say, ooh. <laughs> contentment. Contentment. What, uh, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear the word contentment? Not comparing your life to other things. That's good. Not comparing our life to other things. I'm sorry. I said ice cream. <laughs> okay. I also think it's Okay. So, uh, so maybe actually like trying to self-soothe, right? Because of something that we're not content about, right? So trying to, maybe it's a, maybe it's a, a pursuit. Maybe that would be a good way to put it, a pursuit of it, you know? Um, any other thoughts? <clears throat> Contentment? <laughs> he said not comparing, he said, he said not comparing yourself to others. I think of Psalm 22 where it says, I shall not want, just that phrase, like I will not want for anything. Amen. And why didn't he want? Bro. Okay, and with that, we're going to pray. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lord Jesus, you are my good shepherd. Um, so in Greek, the word actually means self-sufficient. Self-sufficient. So in our culture, in American culture, and I, I don't know what it's like over in Nigeria. I know there's, it's, it's a bit different in different ways, but here we would very much pride ourselves not even so much in the family unit. It's not so much family or community-based, but myself. I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. We would glorify, maybe pre-COVID, um, Bill Gates and say he came from his dad's garage and now he's one of the richest men in the world with Microsoft. But look what he did. He dropped out of school and college. Self-sufficient. That is what we aspire to. We aspire to the grit and everything that's like in the fabric and in the DNA of our culture, but it was also in the Greek culture too. Very much in the Greek culture. The philosophers at the same time, you see Paul when he's writing these letters, he's not writing to Americans in 2021. He's writing to a bunch of people with different life experiences than us. So we have to remember that. What did it sound like to them? And to them, it sounded very similar perhaps as to us, self-sufficient. The philosophers there would say that you should be satisfied with as little as possible. And um, it, it was all about self-sufficiency. And you could work your way up there in the, in the Greek culture even from a slave sometimes to, to, to do quite well. So what are some things that, and we'll talk about more about that self-sufficiency and what Paul meant by that, but some other questions. What are some things that would cause us to be discontent? What are things that maybe would cause you to think, I'm not content with this? I don't mean, like Ethan said, it's just looking, and I think social media is a huge part of it uh, now, or Instagram or whatever it may be. Just looking at somebody's life, what they have, where they're at in their career, um, relationship status, whatever it may be, like, man, I want that. And you just start living, find yourself mentally going for that every day as I do I struggle with that and so yeah if you find yourself going for that rather than you know by what the Bible says what the Lord wants so that's something I struggle with just comparing and looking at others coming. that's really good mm-hmm. social media is really difficult because it's always there in our face right all, all the time anybody else anything specific and it, and it doesn't have to be specific to your life maybe just something that comes to mind I think about money 
right? How about this? Looks, social media, everybody's got a filter on, don't always know it. Like, wow. And I wish I looked like that or some dude who's flexing is in the gym. It's like, <laughs> you know, maybe your, maybe your resources, maybe your education, right? You could be discontent, uh, your popularity, relationship status, maybe even your family. Maybe why can't my family be like that? Why isn't my family supportive like that? Or why does my family seem to have these issues? You know, and you, maybe a bitterness could settle in there, or maybe even opportunity for schooling, for jobs, for ministry to be seen in the body, and we can become discontent. Discontent. So, what, and Leah's going to jump in here at any time she wants, but I, I just want to say what contentment is not. Contentment is not being okay with less than what God has in store. Notice I didn't say contentment is not <clears throat> settling for less than I want. It's not settling, not being okay with settling uh, with less than what God has in store. It's, it's not being okay with sin in my life. It's not being okay with bad habits in my life that aren't glorifying to Jesus. It's not me being okay with maybe not taking care of myself or my belongings or things like this or, or just being lazy. You could say, oh, I'm content. Sometimes we might just be lazy about something. We have a dirty home or a dirty car. I need to clean my car. You know, things like this. It's resting, believing, and obeying. Trusting Him to fulfill His purposes and plans. And even to give His provisions for our lives. Because you have two camps here, two extremes. Contentment means I need all these things to be content. You know? Or the other side, we shouldn't need anything and you shouldn't want anything at all. You shouldn't hope to better yourself. You shouldn't hope to do anything else with your life. You're wrong for wanting a career. You're wrong for wanting a spouse. You should just be happy where you are. And then you're almost put in a prison. Either way. But Paul wrote a letter to a really young pastor named Timothy. And he spoke to him. And that's where we're going to go today. Is it cold in here, y'all? Y'all want to see something pretty cool? Watch no, this. Watch this. Iron. Boom. Oh, yeah. We digital now. It's, it's blowing like right on me. So um, so let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. What I'm thankful for is though they lived in a different culture and time and had different life experiences, people have always been people. No matter what language, no matter their upbringing, no matter where they live, their geography, a person in Nigeria is just like a person in America, is just like a person in South America and Finland. When you boil it all down, we're made in the image of God. Our image, the image of God has been marred. We're separated from God and we desperately need a relationship with him. But the same desires, they're all in there. But let's start with um, chapter 6, verse 5b. Second part of that scripture, and it says, there were some teachers there, and what were they teaching? What were they promoting to the people that Paul, uh, Timothy was pastoring and Paul was warning them against? The, those bad teachers were imagining that godliness is a means of gain, or that like serving God, that relationship there, or their teaching was a way for them to make a good living for themselves, or perhaps they were even promoting that to the people who are listening. 
if you turn on the TV nowadays, a lot of times you, you, you will hear from specific crowds that if you can faith enough, you can make God do something for you. If I serve God, I should always expect to be blessed. I should always expect for my bank account to be full. Well, let me tell you something. Since I came to Christ, I have never had a great supply and abundance. I have never lacked. Anytime I had a negative, uh, it looked like I was going to be short my bills that month, not necessarily from overspending, not necessarily from foolish decisions, but the way things fell that month, God has supplied all my needs. But I don't have a jet. I don't have a Bentley. I have a Yaris. But it's paid for, and I get 33 miles to the gallon. I'm content with that. But they were teaching something else. So they were teaching that godliness is a means of gain. But what's Paul say? Godliness with contentment is great gain. So there is gain in godliness. There is something, a benefit, that's added to my life by my relationship with Jesus. But with contentment, that's where there's gain. It says, we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. How is a baby born into this world? What do they wear? Completely dependent upon their mother, right? And when we die, this is, this is something interesting. B.H. Clendenin said, you know, babies, they, they're kind of balled up like this. And at the end of their lives, you know, there was one patriarch of the Old Testament. His legs were drawn up like this. He was going out the exact way he went in. Bill Gates, you know, he, if he dies a natural death and it's not some tragic thing like that, then he'll die just like every other man dies. And he'll go out the way he came in, which is really nothing of value on him, except maybe he's wearing a, a hospital gown at that moment. It says, if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content but those who desire to be rich fall in temptation. Now, it doesn't say those that are rich. What does it say? Those who desire to be rich. Does it say that it's wrong to want to work, to have a car, have your needs met, and have a home? No, there's something more going on here in that desire to be rich. It says they fall into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. It's a really long sentence with a whole lot of pain and, and hurt in it, right? Those that desire to be rich, they fall into temptation. So that desire to be rich opens up a lot more temptations. It puts them in a trap. That's what a snare is. It catches animals and senseless and harmful desires that plunge people to ruin and destruction. You often find that the people that are the wealthiest are the ones on the antidepressants. They're the ones with the best Instagrams and they show you their homes and they're these influencers with the blue check up there, but their lives are empty. Their lives are meaningless. I don't know if you ever check out the Google Doodles. You ever see those? Did anyone check out the Google, on the Google page and it shows a person like some random person, I don't know, is 127th birthday today, right? Well, there was one a week and a half ago and it was on Suicide Prevention Day. Did y'all check that one out? It was this guy who was like a disc jockey here. And, uh, and so I clicked it and I listened to the music and I was like, wow, this, this is pretty good. But it was a guy, he was 34. He was from like Norway. He died of suicide. He killed himself with a piece of glass. He was one of the most famous DJs in that country, began to get international fame and all of this. But he was an absolute alcoholic. He had these questions of existence and what's the meaning of life. And you could hear it in his music. And, it was actually like some of the lyrics 
that they had the doodle, I was like, wow, this is, this is actually kind of deep. He's asking some good stuff here. But there was so much pain. There was so much that he could not answer. He was absolutely miserable. And I'm thinking that the wealth and the fame, it was like fuel to the fire of his misery. It only opened the door for him to try and to fill it with so many more things. And that bottomless pit just got deeper and deeper and deeper. And my heart really just began to break for this guy. And I was like, wow, imagine if he had met Christ. Oh my goodness, he was so talented, so influential. It says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It does not say money is the root of all evil, but the love of money. Because what does love cause us to do? What did it cause Jesus to do? To die, to make a sacrifice for something, right? Like if you love someone, God so loved the world that he gave. That's the action that came from love. He made a sacrifice of the thing that was most valuable, the person, his own son, God himself, in perfect communion and unity together, eternity past to eternity future, he gave. So if it says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, it's that when we are willing to sacrifice all things for that, that's what opens up the door to all evil. It's through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves through with many pangs. Some people will walk away from Jesus, not because they wanted to at first, but because they got off the path, not because they wanted a good career or a nice watch or a cool ring. I think Ethan dresses really cool. He likes style and things like that. Even if God gave him a million dollars a year, praise God, tithe on it. Um, <laughs> hallelujah. Honor God with the substance of your first fruits, your, your increase, you know. But that doesn't mean that's sin or that that's less holy. It's what we're willing to do to obtain that. And it could be not just money. It could be the looks. It could be the relationship status. What is it that I am most drawn to because of discontent? And just let, let, let God deal with that right there. Amen. Just, we, we both were meditating on that scripture. You know, godliness with contentment is great gain. And the Amplified says, God, godliness actually is a source of great gain when accompanied by contentment. That contentment which comes from a sense of inner confidence based on the sufficiency of God. Or another way of saying that is basically, if you find contentment in God alone, you are untouchable and have need of nothing. You have a good shepherd. You know, that's everything in your life, no matter the circumstance, it's okay because you are very aware and close to that good shepherd. And I just know for all of us in different ways, that is the place that the enemy wants to attack us so often, is that place of contentment. It's that relationship with Christ. It's that place of faith. Contentment and faith are so connected. You can't disconnect them. And here in Timothy, um, Paul goes right on to say, But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. And, you know, these are the things to go for. These are the things to chase after. It's everything in Christ, everything that can be gained in your shepherd, you know. And he says, fight the good fight of faith. And I was just thinking... For, we need to fight for that contentment, you know. And when Paul tells Timothy to fight, we also know from Ephesians who we are really fighting. And it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, 
against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. And we really do need a fight for that faith of contentment in the Lord and, and to be aware that that is what the enemy wants to attack. So whenever, you know, there are desires in our life, you know, and we are encouraged to ask for those things. And uh, in Philippians, you know, he said, Paul says, uh, let me see. Every, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Let them be made known to God. Ask Him. You know, that's, you, you are allowed to ask. You, you know, there are yearnings in our hearts, maybe desires that are put by the Lord that, that are, you know, they are ache or it's a burden that He's given you, but there's a, there's a place there that the enemy wants to attack and he wants to take that what the Lord has given you and make it a discontentment where really... You know, and that discontentment, it can either make you bitter or, like Angie said, it can even bring an apathy where you're like, well, I'm just going to, you know, I just, I'll be content then. You know, I'll just be content with what you've given me. It's not, it's not supposed to be an attitude like that. It's supposed to be a faith and a striving and an asking and a believing, but also knowing fully well that you belong to Jesus and you are getting his actual best every day of your life and every day is another one of the days he's given you and it's purposeful and it's a part of his plan and to be content in that and have faith in that. Satan tempts us where we have desire naturally. Uh, whether, you know, whatever it is, Jesus was tempted. The temptation is not sin in itself. It's Satan wants to manipulate things. Jesus didn't get con- discontent whenever Satan tempted him towards the kingdoms of the world, right? That was rightfully Jesus's. Read Psalm 2. It's talking about Jesus. And God promised to Jesus, the nations will bow to you. You will rule over them in all authority. That was his. And Satan's saying, here it is. I'll give it to you. And Jesus, you know, could have, he didn't, you know, but he could have become discontent and said, yes, I will take this from you. I'm going to satisfy this craving of this thing or for the bread or for people to see him and glorify him. Throw yourself off the temple. Show everyone who you are. Because doesn't it say this about you? And he said, I will not do it your way. He was content enough to go to a cross. And it says in Hebrews, why? He looked past it to the glory that was waiting for him. He rested that his father was going to give him everything he had promised in his time. In his time. And that, that place of like prayer, you know, it, it also says with thanksgiving, you know, that place of when we pray about these things with the Lord, these desires or whatever it is, um, maybe it is just for that stable family or that support system or just, you know, for a decent job, you know, whatever it is, just it's to be paired with thanksgiving, you know, to ask the Lord and to pair it with thanksgiving. It really just connects everything we've even learned about praise, just thanking the Lord for everything he's done in your life, for who he is, for how he will do what he said he would do. And it says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I just think of that place of asking but thanking. It's just, it's like a shelter and a a protective place where we're meant to go. You know, we're invited to go, come here, come here and ask me, come here and pour out your burdens on me and come here and just thank me and encourage yourself in the Lord with me, with the Lord. And there, it's going to be a protective place. Yeah, look, there, there are things that I desire in my life. 
there are things and promises I believe God's given me. And it's very hard to wait sometimes for those things. And it can be frustrating. And God knows that. And he's okay with us being really honest with him about the frustration that it's causing us. He's not afraid. He already sees my heart. I can confess that and be honest with him. Um, and, and I think if we don't, we'll, we'll get into a, a sticky spot, honestly. We could, when we're not honest with God, that's when we get into trouble. You know, when we're honest with God, that's when we're open enough to let him minister to us. You know, and then other people could come minister to us. But like, but like Leah said, it says in verse 11 here, it says, But for you, O man of God, or you, woman of God, flee those things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. And what's, who's the object of our faith? Jesus. It's a fight to hold fast to him. Because from him flows all things. He is our provision. He said to a bunch of people who needed food, I'm the bread of life. There's something beyond just another meal that you want me to do for you. It was in John 6, the crowd wanted more food. I'm the bread of life. In me is a substance that will satisfy you. Something beyond even this legitimate need you have of your daily bread. I am your spiritual daily bread. And he does care. He does say, he said food and clothing. You know, what did he say? Lord, give us this day our daily bread, right? He said that don't worry. You see the flowers of the field, the birds of the air. They don't spin. They don't labor. All of these things. Your heavenly Father sees them and cares for you. He's going to give you these things. But he also says we have not because we ask not. So if we just kind of get into a funk and we're just like, uh, you know, and then turn on our, you know, our low-key kind of depressed music or what that is on your Spotify and you're just kind of like communing with your own depression, God's not able to help you in that moment. He's not able to do that. We're just feeding that, that, that issue right there. He says a... a you know he in the middle of all this paul just starts to like explode in worship to jesus he's given them all this practical instruction then he's like ah i love jesus he's awesome he's wonderful he's holy and i think that's on purpose god did that to him on purpose he says verse 13 i charge you in the presence of god who gives life to all things and of christ jesus when his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He's the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Then he's like, ah, hallelujah. As for the rich in the present age... <laughs> But but his heart is so taken with Jesus because that's the worship that's exploding from him in the middle of talking about contentment is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is my contentment. It's not that he was saying, if I can just love Jesus more, then I won't want a husband or a wife. No, it was even though I get abused and as an apostle and people hate me and despise me and have to work for my own living. He's awesome. He's awesome. I love them. I've been beaten in a prison, but you're awesome. Ah, this really stings. And I'm really not pleased with having been beaten like this, but you're awesome. In spite of it, he wasn't, he was real. He was real. But he, he loved Jesus so much that it overruled those moments of pain that he was feeling, you know? 
And just and this this same Paul, it, it says in Philippians chapter four, verse eleven, he says, "For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content." He didn't get there. Just he wasn't just there. You know, Paul wasn't just saved and was just like he's the Apostle Paul. He is flawless. If he's not, and he admits his flaws, and he, you know, and, and his struggles. <clears throat> and even here, he's saying, "I have learned." in whatever situation I am, to be content. He learned, and even just what he encouraged them to do, just a few verses before in Philippians. Whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's poor, lovely, commendable, whatever's of excellence, uh, worthy of praise, think about these things. The only reason he knew to exhort them to do that is because he needed to do that, because he knew that fight of faith and contentment. Think about these things. Encourage yourself in the Lord. What is honorable? What's worthy of praise? Because if you don't think about those things, the devil's going to be right there to have a, a supplementary thought for you mm -hmm. without hesitation. We have to be feeding ourselves in the Lord, feeding on that contentment. He said in verse 12, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. There was a secret that he knew about and that he had learned about because of his own situations and hardships and imperfection of, of his struggles. And it's, it's a secret that we've been taught about, that we know about, we've heard about the secret place that David talks about in the Psalms. In Psalm 91, it says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. All of these things that come against you, if, that's, if it's that depression or social anxiety or just, just cruel comments from family members or friends or people at work, whatever it is, all of these things that could come against you. Maybe it's just the absolute attack of the enemy. I know for myself and for some friends of mine, even with this conference coming up, I just feel like there's a heavy weight that we really want to even come against us in this time to bring discontentment, frustration, apathy, whatever it is, and, and, and just that would want to hinder us hearing from the Lord with what he wants to bring to us even in today and in the next week. And just to be aware of that, but to go to that place, you know, David talks about in Psalm 32, you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. Psalm 119, you are my hiding place and my shield. Psalm 18, you hide them in the secret place of your presence. It's just that place with the Lord that you stay intimate with him. And, and that's the place Paul had to learn about. We all have to learn to get there. And it's a process of running there consistently. As, as we just go through life and there are things that we desire or are difficult, it's, this is the place we always need to come back to and be close to the Lord in. You know, I was reading one commentator. He's this New Testament scholar. He's a really cool guy named Craig Keener. And he said that to the audience that Paul wrote to, Americans know nothing of what that was like. But to them, middle class in America today would have been absolute wealth and riches. So there's a big difference. It, you know what I mean? So in, in the eyes, the biblical eyes of those people, we are the rich people that they're talking about. 
may not seem like it, right? Because we live in such land of ability to be prosperous and wealthy. But, like, not everyone has that ability in this world, you know? I mean, it's, it's amazing. So what do you do if you are rich? What do you do if God does bless you? You're, you're rich whether in your finances, your career, your ministry is opening up and God's giving you these opportunities or a spouse and everything that you always, your heart could have wanted. What do you do? Well, speaking of wealth, and I'm going to give an example from our church here. It says, for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty. Don't be proud, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. In 2008, we had a market crash 13 years ago. Housing market bubbled. Went to men's retreat 13 years ago. Spoke to a guy. He said, I lost $80,000 just like that. Probably be more like 120, 130 grand in today's dollars. Just like that when the market turned on him. That was a big chunk of change that that man lost and had invested. But it's uncertain. Riches are not certain. Hans and Christina Meyer were wealthy in Venezuela. Do y'all know who they are? Do Do y'all know young Hans? He's in youth. Kind of tall, good looking guy. Kind of like... Shaggy hair. He got baptized a while ago. But his mom and dad were well-to-do in Venezuela. And they've come here and are working their way up. Uncertain riches. In a moment, they can be gone. But where do we put our hopes on? God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. He gives us things to enjoy. It's good to enjoy what we've been given. It's good to enjoy food to the extent that God gives us to enjoy it. Our friends, our home, whatever the opportunities are, it's good to enjoy whatever he gives us. It's him who provided it. But what else there are they to do? To do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Wow. And this is not because of Caleb, but the person that came to my mind was Kevin Murphy. He, I, yeah, I think he would do... F- huh? So was that his agreement? No, no, it wasn't his. Um, Beautiful home, uh, you know, I, I think he's okay, but beautiful home. He heads his branch of sales for lights. At his lunchtime, he's coming over here to help me at this church. He's making himself a servant. He, hey, Andrew, I swept up the activity center too. Just wanted to let you know that. Um, a day he's going to come help me do this. I'm going to go drive to go to Whitney's basketball game. I'm going to teach for years with very few people in my Sunday school class with my wife, Sylvia. I'm going to give of myself. I'm going to open my home for uh, new visitors to come. I'm going to open my home. Andrew, Leah, your kids want to swim sometime? Let them come to our pool. Just totally open with their lives, blessing all these other people. What I have is not just for me, not holding it tight to their heart, but here, y'all be blessed. We want to be part of y'all's life. We want to bless you. That's who I think of. Generous, ready to share. And what are they doing? Storing up treasure for themselves is a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Eternal riches. And I think even with that, we can be. We can say, "Well, Lord, if you really bless me, then I'll do all those things too." You know. But I, I believe he. It says, "He who's faithful and small, you know, will be faithful and much." And, and just those are the things he wants to see us do now, even with maybe our less. You know, for me, I don't have a pool to invite people to, and I don't have necessarily these abilities. But like, I do have time maybe to cook that family a meal. Like that's a sacrifice for me. Like if, if, if I do that for them, we're eating chicken nuggets, you know, but like if I, that's, 
that's that's something I can do. You know, like there are things that we can do. You know, maybe picking up that person and bringing them to church. You know, those are the things that the Lord is looking for. You know, that we can give out of our wealth. You're wealthy when you have a car. You know, you're wealthy when um, you can just freely come to church. And, and what, what can we do even with that that we've been received? You know, that let's not be bitter and think, oh, I only have so much. You have so much. You know, and, and let's be generous even more with what we've been given, even if it's not perhaps comparably as much as another person. And he finishes by saying, Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. He's kind of using that same language of like riches, wealth, things like that on purpose. Guard the deposit entrusted to you, that spiritual deposit, because you're investing forever, right? Use, use your temporal wealth, your abilities for heavenly things. So what do we do? With those desires, with those things we want that are not being met in that moment, what do we do? We go to our Father. We go to our Savior with Him. Jesus was one with His Father because He's God. And just a beautiful mystery there. But He said, I and the Father are one. As Christ walked, fully God and fully man, though, He was one with His Father in communion, hearing His voice, knowing what God wanted to do. And I want to encourage you that when you don't know what to do and you have these legitimate things in there, painful things, desires, and you're like, how long, oh God, will this be? Jesus said in John 5, 19 to 20, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. He was close enough to the father to see what the will of the father was. Remember the Lord's prayer? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus was listening and looking to see what that will was for his own life. That's how he knew to go and heal this person. I want you to do this today. This is what I have for you today. In that communion, that open line of communication, whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. We have to hear God for our lives. Not just hope and expect that somehow it will work out. Yes, we have Scripture, but to go to Him with that specific thing and say, Father, would you please speak to me about this subject? Maybe he'll give you just a little bit of light. Maybe he'll just give you peace. Maybe he won't say anything in that moment. But as we're seeking him over time, we're going to begin to hear his heart. We're going to begin to hear his will. And that's when we can begin to rest and trust in his will and not be content that I don't have these things. But my father has told me he's going to do it. I trust it. I trust him, his word to me. I can rest, though it looks like the situation is doing the exact opposite. That's why David didn't kill Saul whenever he could have several times, because he was content knowing, I've heard God. I've heard God. The Lord is our helper. What shall man do unto me? That's in Hebrews. What is man going to do unto me? He is my helper. He gives me everything that I need. We just need to bring those needs to him. Amen. Y'all want to share anything? Say anything? A few minutes for love. I was going to say something. Like, just with Decker, we were saying, um, we were at the beach. I was just sitting there, and a lot of time I think it was beach. But um, I, was, I was asking, well, how do I become satisfied in you? Because whenever these feelings of discontentment come up, these desires I have that it's like, a lot of times I find myself, like, you said, like, I don't know, I don't know what you said, but like, you play the depressing music, and you're just kind of communing with your depression almost. That's like, I would always, if I had these desires of discontentment, I would just play right into it instead mm. of just running to the Lord or hiding place. 
See, that's how you're satisfied. I mean, it said it may not be instant, but over time, like I said, words can speak to you and show you different things about your life. And um, so yeah, this was a great message. Praise God. Do you think it's so important? Like, I feel like as young people, probably too, we can get hooked or just caught up in. Okay, what if I pray for? Like, what if I pray for a blessing? Because y'all's not wrong to pray for those things. That's right. I think if we are serving the Lord genuinely and our heart is open to just Him responding to us. If I pray for something that I'm desiring, which could very well be a desire he put in me, he's going to tell me if it's a desire that's not of him or that if I'm doing it out of self-motive. He's not going to let my heart remain in that sin if I'm genuinely coming to him and saying, Lord, I really desire this. And I feel like it's a desire that you've given me. And maybe it is like carnal, but he uses carnal. I mean, he fed the people with carnal food. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's your day in Gaul tomorrow, but it was a miracle and he used it. So there's so many things that we can pray for that will become miracles in our lives and so it's okay to pray for those things but it's in that prayer of just being open like Lord these are my desires and if it's not you would you change my desires and show me show me if this is for selfish motives and I heard a quote one time that said you know like just basically as the Lord answers your, your desires and dreams and stuff is don't build a higher fence build a longer table like don't close up the walls because okay suddenly you have all these things like okay let me go enjoy it but put more people at your table or just add people to what you're what you're doing but very very and I want to give. Me? <laughs> Is your satisfied? Yes. Good. I want to give one practical thing, and then you oh, have no. and then pray. The practical thing would be this: we all know that sometimes we get into a funk, and then we go to something. It might be Amazon app, just or it might be Instagram, and you just scroll. These things need to be avoided in those times. They lead to sin. They lead to covetousness. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be like um, a loss or anything like that. It just, it, you begin to then act and, and to take the bread from Satan. Yeah. So just as, just as a practical thing when you're in that moment, don't go there. Okay. Just, just, I was just going to say, even at any stage of life, this is something that is lifelong. You know, I needed this pre-marriage when I worked in a hot food bar and was alone in Northern Ireland and had no prospect. It's a supermarket food thing. It's, it's not a track. It's unglamorous job. You know, no prospects, no future, no career, no college. Like, I needed that then, but I need it even more today. And I have a husband and kids and a home and I have everything that the high school Leah would have thought that she wanted and I remember specifically um after we'd been married maybe just a month or so just being in our little one bedroom apartment and just feeling this emptiness and I was just like what is wrong with me I have everything I ever wanted and I'm not happy like I'm not content and I realized like this is not it like it's all in Jesus so even one day when you are there and you've got the husband and maybe the house you dreamed of and you know that you're doing the job that you love like none of those things like we see in the world are going to satisfy you there is going to be that battle of contentment and the devil's always going to say yeah you need more now you need this but it's always going to be in Jesus and it actually doesn't necessarily have to do with your life circumstance like that's always going to be the consistent place we have to run whether you're going through a trial or whether things are cake you know we we just that the satisfaction and peace is just always in jesus and that's the place 
we need to get to. So let's just pray and ask the Lord to help us all with that. Mm-hmm. Father, we just thank you. Sure. Thank you, Jesus, that that is the same for all of us, that we are able to access that peace in you, all of us, no matter where we are, who we are, what we've done, who our family are, our history. God, just we just thank you, Jesus, that, that we have full access to that contentment, to that peace, Lord, that you can just lavish us with your peace and love god we just pray that each of us feel that today god and even though yes there are desires and there are things that we perhaps yearn for and we can ask you for and bring to you god we ask that you also bring a great peace a great strength lord and an unshakable faith god that no matter what comes against us lord we would just know that you are good that you are our foundation that you are our shield and buckler, our hiding place and our rock. Lord, we just glorify you today. We just pray for the rest of this morning for our main service, Jesus. We just thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you for the ability just to gather together. Let us encourage one another towards you. Just thank you for this honesty and this time, Lord, of just being in your presence. We love you. We are content with you. Just fill us with you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.